As the Apostle Peter nears the end of his life, he picks quill and parchment as the Holy Spirit inspires him to write the epistle of 2 Peter. Good morning, church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we are, right? I got my two uh, oldest nephew and niece sitting up here, 16, 13. How time flies. <clears throat> you never know where it goes sometimes. I'm going to uh, tell you a story today, this morning, about the power of God and His church and prayer from His saints. Pilate and Jesus are hanging out. Sounds pretty cool, right? <clears throat> They're having a conversation, and uh, Pilate says, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Twenty years ago, I came home from the Air Force. I was lost, not knowing the truth. Is it working at all? Is it working now? All right, good. Welcome back, church. Here we are. I don't know where I lost you, but... Uh, Air Force. Twenty years ago, I came home from the Air Force. I was lost, not knowing the truth. Living a life full of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, one Sunday morning, I woke up, came down into my parents' living room, and there was four families gathered conducting church service. They welcomed me into worship with them. I gathered with them for a time to try to understand the truth, while still living worldly, trying to live two lives. I read a book torn between two masters. I was working for Glenn Young at the time, and we got to talking, and I didn't really get it at the time, but he was ministering to me about the importance of putting nothing ahead of God and always desiring Christ and nothing else. I battled with that because of my own selfish needs, but to this day I reflect on that to strive for Christ. Many years passed and I battled with salvation, accepting Christ as the one true way, living for God. But my parents and the people in that living room never stopped praying. And God never stopped working. I called my father January 2020 and I talked a long time about life, God, what I should be doing. I had a lot of anger towards God. And I was yelling at my father about it. And we were talking and crying, and he never stopped loving. So after that conversation, I came home from living in New Hampshire and started going to Moss Brook. I went through a period of time repenting and searching for the truth of Christ. Reconnecting with people I had known years ago. I joined a Bible study with Pastor Mike. And during one of the first meetings, we went around the room to ask for prayer requests, and I stated mine. And Mark Libby said, oh, you're Sean McGarvey, Tom's son. You're who I've been praying for all these years. The body of Christ is made up of so many. The strength of prayer is incredible. 
I said to Pastor Tim a year ago, I don't understand why it took so long. He simply said, your heart wasn't ready. Glenn looked at me a year and a half ago and said, is this for real this time? And my father says, finish well. This is why we need to gather. This is why the church is so important. All these people that minister to us, all these people that are in our lives, all these people that we don't even know that are around us, that are praying for us, you, me, everybody in this room, everybody out in the world, wherever they are, God is that powerful, and he works through you and I. Now, how do we get there? John 14 says, uh, Thomas said to the Lord, he says, Lord, we do not know where we are going, where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. So for some of you, that was the first time that you have seen uh, any of that. And for a lot of you... Uh, Looking at that, you're like, wow, we never heard anything about that. That just kind of happened. And that was on purpose, by the way. Uh, Not that we were trying to sneak anything in or anything like that. That's kind of big to sneak in, by the way. Um, But as a lot of you know, you have given to the Rooted Campaign, which is for our building that we've been struggling through and and trying to get all of that put together. And we did not want to distract from uh, what we... uh, we're, we're trying to do as a church body with the Rooted com- Campaign, and so we never talked about it at all, and God just, uh, through His amazing ways of working, provided through different people and different companies, and that whole event was able to take place from donations outside of what our church has given to Rooted, and so that's just a praise to God. Uh, he, he in his own uh, with his own hand and, and looking at ministering to kids and being able to be involved in, in young people's lives said, hey, this, this needs to happen. And there was a group of people, he laid it on their heart. And because he did that, uh, that field and uh, a, a field below that was able to be all done. And that was all paid for and, and all looked after completely outside of the Rooted campaign. So I want to just give God the glory for that. It's, it's an amazing thing. And all of those who had their hands in it were part of it. And as you saw at the end, uh, there are teams playing soccer on it already. And there are folks from our community who are already talking about their being able to be involved with that in the years to come, which is what we want as a church. We want to be here for our community. We want to be involved we want to open our facility up to the use uh, for, for our community to use and, and to be able to share Jesus Christ in as many ways as we possibly can. And that just happens to be one of them. So I think it's a cool thing. Glad we were able to show that to you this morning. We want to stop. And I'm going to pray in just a minute, but we're going to take our morning offering. And as you, if you've been with us, we started passing our flower pots again a few weeks ago. And uh, we want to pause for a moment. I want to explain that to you. You can give. The, our boxes are out there that we use to give. You can give online. You can. There's all kinds of ways to give. Um, but we want to pause each week. And one of the reasons that we're pa- passing the flower pots again for offering is we want to remind ourselves that everything we have as Christ followers is God's. 
He has blessed us and he has given us all that we have. And offering, our giving, God doesn't need our money. That's not it. He has all the resources that he needs. But he wants our hearts. And so our act of giving and our pausing for offering isn't looking for for more money or that's not it. It's pausing in our service to say, look, everything that we have belongs to God. And my giving is an act of the submission of my heart to the person of God himself. And it's pausing long enough to stop as believers and go, where's my heart with God and what he's given me and my possessions? And then we corporately as a church get to, get to pause and bow our heads and thank him for what he's done. And then corporately we get to worship together in the act of giving. And so when we're doing this, we're, we didn't reinstate this because we were worried about finances. That's not it. God is, you guys as a church have been generous and God has used his body incredibly well through this period of time where, where, where stuff has been in chaos. It's reminding ourselves that this is an act of worship and our giving is an act, a corporate, not just individual, it's a corporate act of worship. And so that's one of the reasons that we're doing this. The flower pot will go by. If it comes to the end, just pass it back to the next row and keep it going. And, uh, but would you pause with me for a moment? And we want to spend a, a, just a minute uh, talking to God about our heart attitude and our giving. Father, First of all, we come to you full of gratitude. You are an awesome God. And it's amazing. You care about every aspect of our lives, and you want to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And I'm reminded once again, as we've wandered through this summer of of starting things and stopping things on the building and, and wondering what's next and waiting for materials and waiting for tests and waiting for permits and and really just waiting on you, quite honestly. And it's amazing, you continue to provide and you continue to, to meet every need that we have in your way and your time. And in the middle of all that, you blessed by allowing a physical field to be put together so that kids could, could play and come together and be ministered to. And, and you provided for all of it. And we say thank you for that because it was by your hand. And we know that without you, none of that could have happened. So thank you. Thank you for this body of believers and their willingness to give and their generosity over the last two, three years. Really, over the last 18, you, you have just been so generous through your people. And we're, we're happy. We're excited about that. And we know that our giving is really an act of our heart and our submission to you. And so this morning... It's my prayer and it's my desire that our hearts would be in tune with you and that we would give simply out of a love for Jesus Christ and a desire to serve and a desire to to be used by you. I pray that we as a church would be found faithful with all that's given, that we would use it to the best of our ability for your glory and your honor in the building of your kingdom. So God, would you be pleased with our act of worship and giving? And then would you help us in the next moments as we open the word of God? Would you help our hearts to be open to the ministry and the, and the speaking and the prompting of your spirit? 
Father, you know my heart. It's not about my words. It's not about what I say. It's about you and what you want to say through me. And so I ask that the word of God would be clear and it would speak clearly this morning. And I pray that folks would hear from your spirit and not from me so much. God, would you be pleased with the rest of this service? Help us to honor you in it. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you've been with us the last uh, few weeks, Pastor Mike has started uh, the study in the book of 2 Peter, and uh, it's, a, it's a great little book, and there is a, a mountain of truth, and every time that Mike and I look at these books, um, we always struggle, you would, we always struggle with the same thing, and that's how do we divide this up so that we can move along fast enough so we don't lose people, but not so fast that we lose people. Uh, it's the same struggle on both ends. And uh, we always do this where we, we walk through verses and go, man, I don't want to leave that out. And, and so a couple of weeks ago, Mike made a promise to you that uh, he, he's put me on the spot. And his promise is what was that we would cover every verse. And uh, he knows that I tend to, to struggle because I'm a theme guy, and I catch themes sometimes in my head, and I'll skip stuff because I want the theme. And uh, so Mike, is, he's putting it to me, and, and he's gone for the month of November. So I'm going to say, if, if we skip around a little in November, don't tell him. He's on vacation, okay? And we'll keep it between us. So I'm in 2 Peter. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 12 to 15 this morning. And we're going to be talking about remembering the truth. And when I was thinking about this topic, there was a whole bunch of little truths that started floating through my head. And uh, a couple of them are from my dad. I'm going to go through a few of these, but a couple were from my dad. One that I remember from working with my dad on the farm from the youngest, you know, at at a very young age and then up through my teens. And he used to say this to me all the time because I was, you may not know this about me, but I'm in a hurry often to do things. Like I don't, I don't stop much. I don't, I'm in a hurry to get things done. And um, that's a song, by the way, I rush and rush. To life's no fun. I knew a bunch of you were thinking of the song, so I said, I might as well say it, because you're already gone. So, but here was what he used to tell me. He used to say this to me. He used to say, a stitch in time saves nine. Think about that. It's a great life lesson, okay? Stitch in time. He used to say, we, Dad and I were having a conversation one time. We were, we were driving in the truck, and we were, we were, it was just he and I, and we were talking about appropriate conversation, because that's what all fathers and sons talk about. And we were talking about it, and I said, Dad, how do you know if something's an appropriate conversation to be in or you shouldn't be in that conversation? And he gave me this one line, and it stuck with me my whole life. This is a truth. Here it is. Don't say anything to anyone that you would not say in front of your mother. I can't get that out of my head. It sticks with me. And I, I start talking about things, and I think about my mother's listening. And I mean, she's in heaven now, but it's probably more true now than ever. Here's a few more. These come from a number of different places. Some of them, some of them you may know. Some may kind of light, kind of a spark in your head. And you may remember some, some sayings that are truthful sayings too. A bird in the, in the hand is better than what? Three in the bush. You ever heard that? Better to be thought foolish than to speak and remove all doubt. That's a good one. I like that one. Shortcuts make long delays. Think about that for a minute. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. 
That was Mark Twain, by the way. You reap what you sow. Just because everybody is doing something doesn't make it right or smart. Put lipstick and a wig on a pig, and it's still a pig. I like this one. A bulldog can whip a skunk any day. The question is, is it worth it? Those are little statements of truth, and probably in your head there's statements from maybe your grandparents or your, or your folks or somebody that you're, was wise in your life, and you think of little truths, little truths, little sayings, little things that they left, little nuggets that they left. And, and we all have these little, little truths that kind of roam around in our heads. And this morning, I want to talk to you about remembering the truth, but they're not little statements of truth. These are completely different because the passage we're going to look at this morning in 2 Peter, Peter is talking about eternal truths. He's talking about something called absolute truth. Now, we live in a culture, we live in a time period when people are trying to tell us that there are no such thing, there is no thing, such thing as absolute truth. It's all up to you. You get to define what is truth. You get to figure it out for yourself. You get to call what is truth and what is not true. And our country has come about inclusiveness and accepting everyone, no matter what that person believes or thinks. And that's about truth. That's their truth. And Jesus was all about loving and caring for people in their need and in their hurt. But his teachings and the truth of his character and the truth that he told people all the time and the truth that is found in the word of God is often divisive and honestly not very inclusive at all. Because sound biblical doctrine tells us that there is only one God and there is only one way to God and that way to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And if you believe scripture this morning, then absolute truth is found only in the person of God himself. That's it. And that doesn't fly very well in the culture we're living in. That doesn't fly very well in the schools that we have today. It doesn't fly very well in the colleges that people, young people are going to. It doesn't fly very well in the culture. The apostles who by the Holy Spirit wrote the New Testament were concerned for the churches and then for the churches to come for us, the body of Jesus Christ, that we would be steadfast, that we would hold to the truth of who God is, that we would hold steadfastly to the faith we would hold to the fact that Jesus Christ is the only payment for sin. And it is only by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that we can be made right with God, our creator. And the apostles were so concerned about that, that over and over throughout their writing in the New Testament, they come back and they focus again and again on that truth. And they remind the churches how important it is. 
Paul in 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus tells Timothy, preach and hold, sa- hold fast to sound truth and to sound doctrine. Don't let go of it. John does the same thing in his three little books. He reminds and reminds and reminds over and over to stay with the faith. If you're in Christ, don't give up. And then the little book of Jude at the end of the New Testament, his whole book is contend, fight for the faith. Stay in it. Don't give up. Don't get sucked aside. And Jude spends all kinds of time talking to the church, to us, and he says this, there are false teachers who will pull you away from the truth and they're going to put little pieces of truth in what they tell you so that they can pull you away so that you'll go a totally different direction and you'll walk away from God. Peter does the same thing in his writings, and we're going to find it. We're going to spend some time in the next weeks just looking at his warnings alone of those who would teach false doctrine. But this passage this morning is about remembering and being reminded of truth. I want you to follow along as I read this morning, 2 Peter 1, verses 12 to 15. Here it is. Therefore... Remember, therefore, when you look at Scripture, why is it there? That's the question you need to ask. And remember what Mike told us the last two weeks. He told us that these are Christ followers. These are people who are in Christ. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've accepted him as their payment for sin. And last week he was talking about the fact that not only are, are, are we believers in Jesus Christ, but we have the ability through Christ to add more knowledge to our life, right, there's endurance to our life. There's, there's things, if you read the first part of that passage, that we can add to our life, to our, to our faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't give us more faith. We're already saved. That's already settled in Jesus Christ. But he says in terms of our godly character and who we're becoming, we can become more and more like Jesus Christ. We can be built up into him. There's precious promises that are found in the scripture that teach us and help us to become more and more like Jesus Christ, okay? So therefore, because you're that believer who's growing in their faith in Jesus Christ, and here we go, he says this, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have, I think it is right as long as I am in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me, and I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Just these three verses. Therefore, Paul says, I will always remind you In light of the fact that you are a believer, I want to remind, I want to stir up, I want to awaken within you, I want you to be clear on these truths. I don't want you to forget these truths. Now, if you're sitting here and you're a parent, you're a coach, you're a leader of any any type, how important are reminders? Are they important? Yes. If you are a parent, do you ever get sick of reminding? Do you ever get tired of reminding? If you are a coach, if you are a teacher, if you are a person who deals with any other people at all, do you ever get tired of reminding? Yeah. We all get tired. 
of reminding. But let me tell you something. Reminding is really important, and Peter knows that. And if you look at the Bible and you do a little search sometime, you'll find that God knows the importance of reminding. Think about this for a minute. Look at the Old and New Testament. Read through the Old and New Testament. Take a little journey. Do a little search. Look how many times he repeats truth. Think of the Gospels alone. (laughs) Do you think that God repeats truth because he ran out of things to say? You think that's why? No, come on, do you? No. No. It's because he knew we couldn't handle very much as human beings, as sinful human beings. He knows that about us. And he knows that the simple truths that he needs to teach us need to be repeated over and over and over again. If you think of the nation of Israel alone and the amount of times that God came to them and said, look, if you will do these, if you will keep these commandments and you will do these things and you will live for me in this way, I will do this. And what would they do? They'd do it for a short period of time and then they'd walk away and God would come back through a prophet and he would say, look, if you will keep these commandments and do these things to follow me, I will do, I'll look after you, I'll, I'll, I'll provide for you. And they would walk away. And so he'd do another prophet and repeat and repeat. Why? Because as humans, we forget. We get caught up in life and, and, and we get doing life and we get living life and the next thing we're off doing our own thing again and God goes, hello, Tim. You can put your name in because he does it to you too. You forgot. And we all need to be reminded. He told us a few things about himself and he repeated them. He told us this, that he's God, that he loves us. If we disobey, that's sin. Our disobedience has separated us from God. Sin has a price. The price for sin is death. The price must be paid. Christ paid the price that we can't pay. We, made, we are made right with God through Christ. We can, when, when we accept his payment for our sin, we become his child. As his child, we are guaranteed a, a seat at the table with the family of Jesus Christ. We are guaranteed eternity with him. Our faith is in Christ alone. There is no other way to get to God but through Jesus Christ. Now, I have simplified the entire Bible. That was quick, wasn't it? And I understand that I simplified the entire Bible. But that's what Peter is referring to when he says, remember what you've been taught as a Christ follower. It's the simplicity of the fact that you sin and I sin. And our sin nature separates us from the very person of Jesus Christ and God himself. And there is absolutely nothing that I can do to make myself right with God without the work of Christ on the cross. I can't do it. And when I come to the place where I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and that my Savior is Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb, who went to the cross and died for me, and I accept His payment for my sin, I admit before God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I cannot do this on my own, but Jesus did. And I accept his payment for my sin. Then I become a child of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's what Scripture says. And all of the precious promises of God are mine. They're at my disposal. And the Holy Spirit grants me the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It lives in me.
because Christ makes me right before the Father through his finished work on the cross. That's the truth of Scripture. That's what Peter is reminding these believers of. Don't forget who you are. You're a sinner saved by grace. Don't forget. Don't forget. You're now a child of God. Don't forget. As a child of God, you have a place at the table. Don't forget. You have the truth of life in you. Don't forget. Don't forget. And Peter says this. I'll continue to remind you. And any good teacher or any good coach knows this, that the best way for anyone to learn anything, any concept, any, any truth that they need to know is to repeat it over and over and over again. If you want to be good at music, you want to be good at sports, you want to be good at your work, you want to be good at driving, cooking, you name it. Anything you want to be good at. You learn something and you repeat it. You learn something and you what? You say it. You learn something and you, so you, you, re, you what? Right. You repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it. It's called muscle memory. And at a point after you've learned it and you've repeated it, it becomes the natural thing that you do. Same is true in our spiritual walk, guys. And some of us don't do things that we know we should do because we haven't really learned it. We're not repeating it. We're not going over it and over it. He goes on. I'm going to use some phrases here quickly because our time is cruising by. But he says, even though you know. Peter knows people. We don't just forget things. Sometimes we add stuff to what we already know. Sometimes we go back to the truth and we say, well, I'm not even sure if that's really true. And as Adults, often we look at truth and we go, I already know this. Don't tell me it again. When I share the gospel of Jesus Christ, when I talk about the fact that it's only through Jesus Christ, he's the payment for our sin, we're sinners in need of a Savior, there are, there are folks who are Christ followers who sit and go, I don't need to hear that again. I already know that. You don't, don't tell me again. And the Bible and God says, oh yeah, you do need to be reminded. Oh yes, I do need to be reminded. Because as Christ followers, we can get off doing our own thing, living our life, doing things that we think are so important that we forget the most important thing. All sinners need a Savior. And you were one. If you're a Christ follower here this morning, you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And there was a time that your life didn't have meaning. And you can get so wrapped up in living out your life that you forget what your need was and you forget that the people who live around you have the same need. They're waiting for a Savior. They're waiting for hope. So Peter says, look, even though you know this, let me remind you. And so this morning, let me put it this way. Let me tell you, let me remind you, then remind you what I reminded you, and then tell you what I told you, and then we will review. How's that? That's called repetition. You want me to repeat that? Here it is. Let me tell you, let me remind you, then remind you what I reminded you, 
and then tell you what I told you, and then we will review. Parents, you understand that because you do it with your children all the time. God knows that's what we need in our life. That's what we need, believers. And then he goes on and he said, even though you know this and you are established in it, and this little phrase, you are established in it, means this, that that Christ has become the foundation of your faith and you have set your, your, your whole building of your life down on Jesus Christ and he's the solid rock that you're building your life on and you know the truth and you're living out that the people that Peter was writing this to, these were believers and if you look through scripture, you'll find this out in 1 Peter 1.1. These are believers who were scattered abroad and were living as aliens and as aliens, they'd been pushed out of their place because they were believers in Jesus Christ. And they're scattered all over the countryside. But yet, in the middle of that happening to them, they're still believers in Jesus Christ. Didn't change their faith. They're, they're, being, they're being persecuted for their faith. They're being chased for their faith. They're losing their job for their faith. And yet, they're established. That's what he says in Second Peter. He says this, you know the truth and you're established. You're Firm in the truth. This is the foundation of your life. And as I've watched you throughout, and remember Peter's coming to the end of his life, and he's like, as I've watched you believers, these people that I've spent time with, I can see in you that this is real. As Sean said, right? Sean, somebody came to you and said, is it real this time? Well, it's real when you're established, in the, and it doesn't matter what comes, you're going to trust God in the middle of it. It doesn't matter. And that's what Peter's saying. These people have proved have proven by the way they've lived their life that they are established, that this is firm, this is real, this is their life. And you wouldn't think those people need to be reminded, would you? If this is that real, you wouldn't think he needs to, but Peter goes, oh yeah, I gotta come to you and I gotta remind, even though you're established in your faith, I gotta remind you, I gotta give you hope, I've gotta encourage you, this is the right way to go. Even though you're established And so he says this, he says, as long as I am in this tent. Now that's just a nice way to say as long as I'm alive. As long as my body is upright. Peter says this, as long as I am walking and breathing, and, and Peter knew if you, if you look down a few verses in that same thing, God told him that the time was coming where, where he was going to give up this tent. He's going to die. Hey, by the way, newsflash, theater two. Three, those of you watching online, Theater One, you ready for this? We're all going to die. It's not, we're all going to die. It's, we're all going to die. That's the movie version. It's appointed unto man once to die. And every one of us in this room, the time is coming when you will breathe your last. And Peter knew that. But he had a proper perspective of his life. Did you catch what he said? As long as I am in this tent, as long as God gives me breath, I'm going to remind you of the truth. You fill in your life for me. Don't do it out loud, but I want you in your mind to say, as long as I am in this tent, I will. Where's all your time and energy and life going? Hey, It's evident by what you did last week. It's evident by your pocketbook, your checkbook. 
As long as I am in this tent, I will have fun, get a better house, get a better job. I don't know. Peter said, I know I'm going to die. But as long as I'm in this tent, as long as God allows me to live, I'm going to remind you of the truth. I'm going to remind you of the truth. In every breath I take, I'm going to remind you of the truth. And he ends this this passage by saying this. I want to wake you up with this reminder so that you are able to recall the truth. See, what we feed ourselves and what we repeat over and over into our minds and our lives is what we live out and it's what we remember to do. And some of us are feeding ourselves with so much junk from this world that what we're remembering to do is junk from this world. And Peter says, that's not what I want. I want to remind you so often and I want to bring you to the place of remembering so often and I want you to understand the truths and the promises of who you are in Jesus Christ. I want you to know that you're part of the family. You're a child of of God. You belong. You have a home for eternity with God in heaven. And I want you to remind you so much of the truth of who Jesus Christ is is that no matter what happens, no matter how much you get bumped, how how much you get pushed, no matter what happens in your life, The first thing you recall is Christ. That's what you recall. Now, you could be sitting here this morning saying, great, Tim, those three little verses, Paul wanted to remind everybody the truth. There we got it. Remember the truth. Great. Good job. Let's go home. It's lunchtime. But I want you to walk away this morning knowing that it's more than that. See, for us to remember the truth, we need each other. Paul's, I mean, Peter is talking to a church, to a group of people. He's sending this letter out that's going to all kinds of believers in little churches all over the place. And it goes through centuries of time where that, that letter got read, right? All the churches clear up to us. Same letter got read. And Peter is saying this. He's saying, look. I need you guys to come alongside one another and I need you to remind each other all the time of the truth of who Christ is and why you're living your life. Remind each other. I need you to grab the truth of the word of God and I need you to read it for yourself on a regular basis to to remind you of who Christ is and the character of God so you don't get sucked away from the truth. I need you to listen to teachers who are going to keep going back to the Word of God and remind you of the teaching of the Word of God so you don't get sucked away from the truth. Remember. I need you to have friends in your home who you barbecue with and you live life with who grab your attention once in a while and say, hey, are you still living the truth? Hey, I see you're doing this right now. Is that taking you closer to God or is it pulling you farther away? I need you as parents to get alongside each other and go, hey, how, how well are you doing in teaching your kids the truth of who Jesus Christ is? Is the school winning or are you? Is TV winning or social media winning or Snapchat winning or is the truth of the word of God winning? 
See, Peter's whole point here this morning and the point that you and I need to grab is this, that as Christ followers, it is our responsibility, it is our duty, it is our job, it is our mandate to come alongside one another, to pray for, to lift up, to encourage, to offer hope, to speak truth, to to grab the word of God and encourage each other in our walk and staying true to who Jesus Christ is and what he's asked of us. That's what happened in Sean's life. So believer, how well are you being reminded? And who's reminding you? See, this is all really quite simple. We're to remind each other that it's Christ, and it's Christ alone. It's not about me. It's about who Christ is, what he's done, and how he's changed me because of his love for me. Would you stand as we sing in Christ alone?